0: Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. There had been abuse in my family, but
1: it
2: was mostly musical in nature.
3: any of this
1: lover's lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy.
2: There are seven days in the week, and each day has inspired a ton of songs. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And
1: I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. Today on Sound Opinions, we pick our favorite ode to each day of the week. Then Greg and I review the latest album from Brooklyn Indie Rockers, Ye
2: You are listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news.
1: Greg, this band has been in the news a lot lately, but I doubt that many people have actually listened to it. That is the song Punk Prayer from the Russian group Pussy Riot. There was an interesting translation of the lyrics from The Guardian in the UK recently. Virgin Mary, Mother of God, banish Putin banish Putin. They are clearly speaking out against the dictator in everything but name of Russia, Vladimir Putin and his policies. This is a group of three young women who were sentenced to 2 years in a Russian penal colony on August 17th for daring to perform that song in the Cathedral of Christ the Savior, the largest church of the Orthodox faith in Moscow. A lot of things are getting left out, as often happens when a music story or a pop culture story goes into the mainstream news. This was not really a punk group as we consider a punk rock group. There was an art collective performance art group called Vina, which means war in Russian, that these young women were part of. They're all between 22, 24. Two of them are mothers of young toddlers. They were doing a lot of street art, different performances, weird things. That were trying to get the attention of the world media and get themselves arrested. I think the fascinating part of this story is that they turned to that old, faithful rock and roll, which many people continue to insist is mere entertainment, to get the notice of the world about what they wanted to say about Putin's regime. It worked. They were never a band before this stunt at the cathedral. They became one. They modeled themselves on Bikini Kill, the riot girl American feminist punk band. They played this song. They got arrested. There was a show trial in the classic old style of the Soviet regime. They had a mere two days to prepare their defense. They were kept in a cage in the courtroom. They were harassed by guard dogs on the way in and out of court. There are threats now that those two children of the young women are going to be taken away from them. It's really frightening. The rock world has responded in force. There have been protests in a dozen cities around the globe. But among the rockers coming out to say, we support Pussy Riot, the Beastie Boys, Bjork, The Plastic People of the Universe, the Czech band that was imprisoned for years under the Soviets, John Cale, Jarvis Cocker, Peter Gabriel, Madonna, Johnny Marr, Paul McCartney, Yoko Ono, Patti Smith, the list goes on and on. I think that it's fascinating that in 2012 we are still seeing such a vivid example of rock and roll being able to be a strong political force trying to change the world.
2: Well, Jim, as you said, these women paid a pretty steep price for playing that rock and roll. And this is not new to the Soviet Union or Russia You mentioned Plastic People of the Universe, that Czech band that in 1976 basically was driven underground by the communist government. They were convicted of organized disturbance of the peace, you know, for playing their music basically, politically oriented music, and sentenced to prison terms ranging from 8 to 18 months. And that, in turn, started out what, what became known as the Velvet Revolution in Czechoslovakia. Prior to that, in the Soviet Union, there was a singer-songwriter who was part of a, a larger movement of singer-songwriters, a guy by the name of Alexander Galish, who was harassed by the KGB and eventually exiled from the country in 1974 because his music was considered so provocative. Owning a tape of one of his songs at that time could have meant a prison term in the USSR. Wow. So, you know, the government was taking this kind of thing very seriously for a long time. You know, you go to other parts of the world and you see similar kinds of activities where artists have been harassed and in many cases imprisoned for their work. We just talked about the Nigerian saxophonist and songwriter Fela Kuti. In 77, his band Africa 70 released an album called Zombie, which was a direct attack at the tactics of the Nigerian military.
4: Zombie so when I want way Joro jar I joro Zombie when I want way Joro jar I joro Zombie when I one way Joro jara joro Woah
5: attention
2: In turn, a thousand government soldiers attacked his compound. They beat up Fela, they threw his mother out of a window. She eventually died of her injuries, and they burned the compound and all his gear to the ground. A few years later, 1984-85, he was jailed for 20 months under a trumped up currency charge. So they were after Fela for a long time. What was amazing about this guy is that he stayed in his country and continued to release protest music even though he was constantly being harassed. And another legendary example of governments harassing musicians for their music was the Tropicalia movement in Brazil. In the late 60s, headed by a bunch of artists who, you know, even if they weren't so direct in their political commentary, there was a lot of humor in it. There was a lot of euphemisms and metaphor were still considered a serious threat to the Brazilian dictatorship. At the top of that list were Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil, who were exiled for their politically oriented songwriting couldn't return to the country for a couple of years when they came back in 1974 they were welcomed as heroes and have become legendary figures there but for a while they couldn't step foot in their home country Everybody knows that the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their
3: fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody knows Guy's lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich.
2: That's how it goes. Everybody knows. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. So says Leonard Cohen, and he knows what he speaks of, Jim. The Recording Industry Association of America, that notorious organization that has gone after file sharers for the last decade, is hemorrhaging money over the last couple of years, revenue down 50 percent, below $30 million per year, according to latest tax records. Now, what's interesting about that, the organization has reduced the number of employees that it has from 117 a couple of years ago to 72 And that, of course, is reflecting the troubles of the major label industry at large. I mean, the industry has cut its revenue in half over the last decade. So no big news there. But what is really fascinating is the top executives at the RIAA continue to pull down exorbitant salaries. CEO Kerry Sherman is making $1.37 million a year, and Executive Vice President Mitch Bainwall is earning $1.75 million. Wow. So these guys' salaries haven't been cut too bad, but their organization isn't doing so well. The note I saw was interesting. It, it puts those guys firmly in the
0: 1%. Monday morning feels so bad Everybody seems to mad.
5: Tuesday I feel better Even my man looks good
3: Wednesday on my
1: mind Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday I've got Friday on my mind Greg I don't know about you, but Labor Day is looming, and we were thinking about what kind of show we can do to mark its approach. We've done rock and roll's greatest work songs. We started thinking about the best songs about the day of the week. Because in my life, I will confess, there are often days where I get up and I don't want to go to work, right? You know, <laughs> And the thing that gets me out of bed, the thing that gets me through my day is great music and then friday and saturday arrive and i want even better music to celebrate the weekend i don't know if that's what it's like for you well the days of
2: the week if you think about it i think for me at least they have a different feel i mean the, the days are not exactly the same and i think great songs notice that difference and they celebrate it and that's the point of this show absolutely greg so i get to start with sunday
1: now, there are some go-to bands that we all turn to all the time. I mean, Sunday Morning by The Velvet Underground. I instantly thought of that. We've played it before. We've talked so much about The Velvet Underground. Then I was thinking about Johnny Cash, Sunday mm. Morning, coming down. Right. Uh, we always go to Johnny Cash in these list shows. I could have done Wire, Field Day for the Sundays. That led me to an even better song, and I don't think we've ever played Joe Jackson on this show. Joe Jackson is written off in many ways as one of those new wave guys who was a flash in the pan. He's all forgotten. His career has been long and varied, worked in many different genres. The song I want to play is Sunday Papers. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that you and me, having spent our lives in the newspaper profession, now sadly dying on the vine, right, we have a particular fondness for the paper arriving on our doorstep and never more so than on Sunday when it used to be anyway big and fat and full of incredible things that didn't fit in the paper the rest of the week. It was like a magazine and there was more arts coverage and there was all this wonderful stuff. Like I said, I'm talking in the past tense. (laughs) Newspapers as newspapers are pretty much dead and dying, but they are still worth celebrating for what they were. And I think Joe Jackson's Sunday papers does that really well, even if he's pretty snarky about, you know, he's talking about the British press, which is always taking people down in some regard, and he's kind of griping about it, but that's part and parcel of it all, too. Joe Jackson's Sunday Papers to get us rolling on Days of the Week.
5: Mother doesn't go out anymore Just sits at home and rolls her spastic eyes But every weekend through the door Come words of wisdom from
1: Joe Jackson's Sunday
2: Papers on Sound Opinions. Greg, what do you have for the first day of the work week? Well, Jim, when I was thinking about Monday, I mean, there have been a ton of songs, great songs, written about Monday and the work in blues. You know, you're going mm-hmm. back to work. Nobody looks forward to Monday, you know, nobody that I know of anyway. And I think the guy that summed it up best was the great blues artist T-Bone Walker. He wrote a song called Stormy Monday, first recorded in 1947. Not only did it encapsulate what everybody felt about that day of the week, because it is kind of a gloomy day in a lot of people's lives, but it also is one of the most inspiring blues tracks ever recorded. Now, T. bone Walker wrote this song with the idea that uh, he was pining after this woman who had left him. It's not clear why. But it is very clear that he has an incredible amount of guilt and regret about it. So it's called Stormy Monday, but Tuesday is just as bad. And he goes through the days of the week. Every day feels like Monday. And Man, what a life that must be. Talk about a living hell, right? He makes you feel that pain in this song. Stormy Monday's been covered by a ton of bands, most famously maybe by the Allman Brothers on their Live at Fillmore East record. That is a classic version of this song, but I still think the original is best. T-Bone Walker with Call It Stormy Monday on Sound Opinions.
6: They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad They call it Stormy Monday, but Tuesday's just as bad. Wednesday's worse, and Thursday's also sad. Flies on Friday and Saturday, I go out to play. Eagle flies on Friday and Saturday, I go out to play. Sunday, I go to church. Then I kneel down and pray
2: Call it Stormy Monday from T-Bone Walker. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, more songs honoring the days of the week. Do you have a song you'd like to add to our list? Post it to Facebook or tweet us at Sound Opinions. Later in the show, we're going to review the new album from Yay Sayer.
0: sight of you, my heart begins to pound.
1: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. There are only seven days a week, despite what the Beatles said, but we are doing the best songs for each of those days in celebration of the upcoming Labor Day weekend. Greg, it is my turn. We are up to Tuesday. I couldn't go to the Moody Blues. I know you love them. I had to go to the Rolling Stones. Mm. Ruby Tuesday, what an incredible song. The first real flourishing of the Rolling Stones in their much maligned psychedelic period. It's always thought that the Beatles did it better. I think the Rolling Stones were incredible here. Brian Jones was such a talented multi-instrumentalist. He's playing recorder. He's playing piano on this song. Bill Wyman is playing the stand-up bass. He's picking the notes while Keith Richards simultaneously bows the bass. Really interesting stuff. It's got a great sound, and I've always thought it was one of the most profound Rolling Stones songs. Now, the Rolling Stones like to revel in the gutter. They pretty much say what they mean, and it's often a little bit crude. This song, though, always seemed to me about chasing the mystical other whether it was a woman or a man or just an ideal that was just disappearing in in the mist you know that this notion that that you can't always get what you want as the stones would later say you, you certainly can't hold on to it Keith Richards uh, unfortunately in his recent autobiography deflated this notion mm. he said there was <laughs> this girl named Ruby he was head over heels in love with her she was very flighty they went on tour. he came back and he never saw her again she <laughs> had just disappeared I prefer to think of the deeper meaning of Ruby Tuesday. Here it is, the Rolling Stones on Sound Opinions.
6: Yesterday don't
5: matter if it's gone While the sun is bright Or in the darkest night No
4: one knows She comes and goes
3: Goodbye Ruby Tuesday Who could hang A name on you When you
5: Change with every New day Still I'm gonna miss you Don't question why She needs
0: To be so free She'll tell you it's the only way to be
4: She just can't be chained
0: To a
5: life where nothing's gained
0: And nothing's lost It's such a cost
2: in Life Unkind. Ruby Tuesday from the Rolling Stones their 1967 album Between the Buttons. Jim Deeringottus's choice for a Tuesday song and a great one. So it's Wednesday. Jim, I'm going to venture outside the uh, rock and roll realm a little bit for my Wednesday choice. Although I think this song, this track and this artist definitely rocks. Charles Mingus with Wednesday Night Prayer Meeting. Mingus was being viewed in the late 50s as an artist who was stretching jazz boundaries to the point where, is this jazz anymore, man? Mm -hmm. Where's the blues in this? And Mingus uh, took that to heart. He said, "Okay, I'll show you what the blues is. So he made an album steeped in gospel, blues, soul music, and really laid a template for future artists to use as an example of how you could get these earthy sounds with virtuosic playing. Wednesday night prayer meeting in particular was inspired by Mingus's childhood. At the time, he said, I used to go to meetings as a kid with my mother. The congregation gives their testimonial before the Lord. They confess their sins and sing and shout and do a little holy rolling. Some preachers cast out demons. They call their dialogue talking in tongues or talking unknown tongue, language that the devil can't understand. And you can hear it in this song. He puts you in one of those meetings with the congregation. Mm. You know, he brings the congregation in with those fabulous bass lines, and then the horns and the voices start talking to each other, and there's this incredible conversation going on where people are imbued with the spirit, and you can feel it in this song. It is a beautiful piece of composition where technically there are no actual words spoken, but you can feel what the narrative is just by listening to it. It's Charles Mingus with Wednesday Night Prayer Meeting on Sound Opinion.
1: That was Wednesday night prayer meeting from Charles Mingus, 1959. Greg, you gotta love the Mingus. Man, what an artist. Alright, you know, in doing my research for this show, figuring out what are the best songs for each day of the week, I gotta say, I drew the short straw with Thursday. <laughs> Thursday has the shortest list of great songs about that day that you can imagine, compared to every other day for sure. I think in part it's because it's almost there. The weekend's almost there, but not not quite, right? Then I was thinking about Morphine's song, Thursday... Now, on the face of it, this is a song about an affair, an adulterous affair. Doesn't have much to do with Thursday, except that Mark Sandman, the late vocalist of Morphine, sings that we should have kept it to Thursday afternoons, because they didn't, and then the whole thing went to hell. But I think that there's an element of the essential Thursdayness of Thursday to the song, in that you're grabbing something that's not quite yours yet. We all have those friends who start their weekend on Thursday night, mm-hmm. and then Friday morning they really regret it. They got <laughs> one more day of work to get through, and I think that that's part parcel of this song morphine of course was that 90s band really unique in the alternative era for having the lineup of bass saxophone and drums and for sandman's incredible voice this deep baritone he died tragically of a heart attack in 1999 fans of the group still absolutely love them thursday was 1993 a single that really introduced them to the world here it is morphine on sound opinions
0: Meet every Thursday, Thursday, Thursday in the afternoon For a couple of beers, then a game of pool. We used to go to a motel, a motel, a motel across the street Then the name of the motel was a wagon wheel Said, come on, come on. She said, why don't you come back to my house? She said, my husband's out of town. You know he's gone till the end of the month. Well, I was just so nervous, so nervous, you know, I couldn't really quite relax. Because I was never really quite sure when a husband was coming back. told the other, they told her they think they know who you are a husband he's a violent man a very violent and jealous man now I have to leave this town I gotta leave well I still can Morphine with Thursday
2: and Greg. Friday's finally here. What do you got? Yes, Friday has arrived. The weekend, the day we've all been waiting for. And you know, we talk about the day, but really people sort of lump those days together, don't they? Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The weekend is here. You're still working though for most of Friday. You are. Friday night, that's good. You know, what's great about a lot of these songs, you know, old school, you know, you got paid on Friday. You Mm. walked out of work and you got that fistful of cash, you know, and now you're ready to start the weekend. And I think that air of celebration, I think, is one of the recurring themes in music. I mean, you go back to the Easy Beats, which we played at the top here, Friday on My Mind. They're just building up to that day, and they're suddenly free. I can go out and, and, and see the town. Johnny Kemp, that R&B hit from the 80s, Just Got Paid was the name of it. And again, he's talking about, you know, I went to the bank, cashed my paycheck, and now I'm ready for the weekend to begin. And that moment of celebration, when you finally realize it's here, it's arrived, is very much a part of this song by CeeLo Green, Bright Lights, Bigger City, from his Lady Killer record of 2010. This anticipation has built up. Here's the moment. He talks about Friday and Saturday. He conflates those days, and really, I think in a lot of people's minds, they do it. You know, Friday just rolls right into the Saturday, and the celebration continues. CeeLo Green with Bright Lights, Bigger City, on Sound Opinions. I've
4: been living for the weekend, but no, not anymore. Because here comes that familiar feeling, that Friday is famous for. Yeah, I'm looking for some action, and it's out there somewhere. What you won't do, cause you know that you're just mine I'm alive this evening, it was love
1: That was CeeLo Green, Bright Lights, Bigger City, Greg Kott's pick for the best song about Friday. Now we want to turn it over to you. We know you have more songs to add to our list of the best tunes for each day of the week. Give us your picks by calling 888-859-1800. We'll be back with our final choices, plus a review of the third album from Yeasayer, in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis. And yes, indeed, we are working toward the weekend. We are wrapping up our show about the days of the week in song. Jim, it's Saturday. What do you got
1: for us? Well, Greg, I think I scored. If I lost on Thursday, I scored with Saturday. There are so many great Saturday songs. My first two choices, we've either played recently or, again, they are two frequent go-tos. You know, how can you go wrong with Sam Cooke, Another Saturday Night? And we just played De La Souls a roller skating jam called Saturdays, so I went to my third favorite Saturday song, which is a great song from an artist that I generally despise. I am not a fan of Sir Elton John. I don't know if it's because I didn't really connect with him in the 70s when I was coming up. He seemed a little cheesy. I put him in the same category as Kiss when I was a kid. Didn't oh, like no him. Oh, no way. And now I think liking Elton John is seriously undermined by what he has become. Mm-hmm. He is such an old stick-in-the-mud, always trying to seem hip. But Saturday night, my friend, is all right for fighting. Mm-hmm. Something about Saturday and the spirit of just cutting loose makes you want to go out and pick a fight, don't you think? <laughs> Especially with a belly full of beer. That's the great <laughs> <laughs> Great. I will point out, Elton didn't write this. Bernie Taupin said in the lyrics. Here is Elton John's Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting on Sound Opinions. Sir Elton John with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Greg, uh, that brings us back to Sunday, so I don't know, what are you going to play next?
2: Well, we're going to roll it back around, Jim, and it's perfect to end on Sunday again because it's a day of contemplation, but I also was thinking about a song that sort of talks about the entire week, you know, let's not just play another Sunday song, but a, a song that basically addresses every day of the week, and this song, I think, fulfills that obligation. Eddie James with Sunday Kind of Love. This was a uh, a jazz and pop standard that was originally written in 1946 by one Louis Prima. He co-wrote the song, and it has since been recorded by a number of prominent uh, performers, Ella Fitzgerald. Dinah Washington, your hero, Frankie Lane, recorded a version of this song as well. Frankie Lane and Louis Prima in one song? You can- I, would, I would download this instantly. You cannot beat it. And it appeared on uh, Etta James's debut album, 1961, At Last. If you do not own this album, ladies and gentlemen, you need to rush out and get it right away. It was basically Leonard Chess's bid at Chess Records to... Really showcase Etta for the world, that she wasn't just an R&B shouter, but that she was capable of doing many things, including recording a jazz standard such as this that would hold up next to Ella Fitzgerald's or Dinah Washington's version. And Etta knocks it out of the park. You know, the whole idea of reflecting on an affair, she's, she's in the midst of a love affair here. And she's talking about the idea, is this thing going to last beyond Saturday night? You know, here I am on Sunday. I want a Sunday kind of love, too. And as a matter of fact, I want a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Mm. Friday love, too. I want the whole thing. I don't want just a brief fling. I want something that's going to last. That is an enduring concept in pop music. I'm thinking about, you know, the Shirelles had come out with a song in 1960 called Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? And that's essentially the sentiment here. Sunday Kind of Love from Etta James on Sound Opinions. I
7: want a Sunday kind of love Sunday. Someone, someone to involve To keep me warm When Mondays and Tuesdays grow cold Love for all my life To have and to hold Oh, and I want a Sunday kind
2: of love Etta James with Sunday Kind of Love you can see a complete list of our classic Days of the Week songs on soundopinions.org.
0: Let's see how your geniuses...
1: Listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a song called Folk Hero Shtick from the album Fragrant World, the third release by the New York band Yearsayer. Greg, you and I have both been big fans of the Brooklyn band since they debuted around 2006. The first album, All Our Symbols, came out in 2007. The main driving forces of the band, vocalist-keyboardist Chris Keating and vocalist-guitarist Anand Wilder, came from Baltimore, that really fertile music scene there. But they uh, met in school, formed the band in New York, have become a real buzz group in the indie rock underground since that first album for combining elements of world beat with a kind of swirling, sweeping, psychedelic pop or uh, shoegazer, Rock, that sound of the early 90s. For the second album, they worked with a great percussionist, Jerry Marotta, the, the guy who played drums for all those great Peter Gabriel albums, Odd Blood. And now comes album number three. They've added some strings. They've been saying in interviews that they were inspired by the work of Aaliyah, which is interesting. And I don't think they mean that first R. Kelly-produced album, but the stuff that she did with Missy Elliott. Taking R&B to an alien landscape, very much what Ye Sayer is trying to do. Let's play a song from the third album, Fragrant World. It's called Henrietta by Ye Sayer on Sound Opinions.
5: i we'll make the i will make my marriage. You we'll throw you away.
3: And after it's gone, I'm see to stay.
2: From Ye Sayer. The new album is called Fragrant World on Sound Opinions. Third studio album from these guys, Jim. As you said, they had a lot of success with those first couple of albums. Uh, really sticky melodies, you know, the kind of hooks that lingered for days, weeks afterward. Ambling Out, Matter Red, Sunrise, Wait for the Summer. Those are really good pop songs in addition to being kind of intricate and complicated compositions. I'm hearing a lot of people not digging this record because it doesn't seem to be as immediate as those first couple of records. And I would agree with that. It, it is a more difficult record, more complex, and in a lot of ways less accessible, less immediately hooky. But, man, I gave this thing a little bit of time. I took a road trip with it. Mm. And, man, it just hit me. I go, here's what's going on here. They're, they are making an R&B record, their version of R&B, sort of an alien R&B record— You and I disagree vehemently about David Bowie, but I think one of the reasons that I love Bowie so much was the work that he was doing in the 70s that sort of took that whole notion of soul music and funk and sort of gave it this weird alien twist. And I think they're doing the same kind of thing here. The hooks are less immediate, but man, their rhythmic innovations, their non-traditional ideas about percussion flourish on this record. And all of a sudden you realize, you know, you're out on the dance floor with this record. It mm. is one of those records that really hit me rhythmically first. Then the lyrics started to dig in. Darker record, way darker than their previous records. You know, death seems to be a running theme here, but not in kind of a morbid way. They're sort of contemplating the whole idea that there are moments in life and they're, they're not going to last. Nothing is. So let's celebrate the moment we're living in right now. This record won me over in a big way, and I've gone from kind of being eh about it to really loving it. I think it's a buy-it record
1: all the way. Greg, don't you hate it when critics fall into those cliched patterns? It's always the difficult third album. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't understand what people are saying when they're saying they're disappointed by this record. It didn't take me any time to be won over by it at all. I have always thought that the main strength of Yes Air wasn't those great vocals of the two frontmen and wasn't the hooks, although those are all great, okay? I love what they do with rhythms. I love they, the way that they incorporate world rhythms very subtly, not in the showy, ostentatious way, say, of Vampire Weekend, you know, remaking Paul Simon's Graceland, but taking in elements of Eastern and African percussion, and very naturally folding them into electronic grooves with a rock backbeat driving it home. The fact that that is amplified on this album only makes me even happier, okay? And I disagree vehemently with people who say there are no hooks here. The song we played, Henrietta, or Damaged Goods, or the song we bumped in with, Folk Hero Shtick, I think the hooks are all here. They emphasize the drums a little more. In fact, it might even be my
2: favorite Yes album,
1: so I double your enthusiastic buy it. What do we have on the
2: show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to take a look at the artists and bands associated with Elephant 6. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions
1: is produced by Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn. Our assistant producers are Annie Minoff and Michael DeBonis. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori southside Malatia, only man we've ever met whose favorite time of the week is Monday morning. sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say.
6: New messages.
1: Hi, guys. This is David in Phoenix, Arizona. a huge fan of the show, even when I disagree with the opinions. But I factually disagree with something you said on Juggalos and really scoffing at the notion
2: that they would be considered a gang by the FBI. I actually work in a teen rehab. I've worked there for nine years and we get quite a few um, kids coming in that profess loyalty to Juggalo, and they, they claim it, same as any of our other gang bangers claim their gangs, and
1: I think you guys perceive it as just like very excited fans of ICP, but the truth of the culture, at least in Arizona, is that it is basically a gang, a criminal gang, so um, I don't know if you get the time, maybe do a little more research on it. Thanks for your
4: time Happy the has a nursery
0: Hey there this is Kate Mathis from Rochester New York. I am very pleased with your show that featured John Savage uh, looking at the year 1977. However, it only reinforced my frustration that very few props go out to the band The Stranglers. Uh, no more heroes is nothing less than a punk anthem.
6: Whatever happened to all of the heroes, all the Shakespeareos?
5: They watch their own band.
3: Whatever happened to?
0: I would love to hear more about Wranglers and their influence. Thank you. Keep it
2: up. Hi, guys. This is Peter. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, and I just finished listening to part two of your terrific punk rock doubleheader series. I do think it's worth mentioning something that uh, John Savage said in the previous week. He said that radio was a uh, wasteland and that there was no punk rock on it. Of course, he's right. However, if you were a kid growing up in the U.S. and you had a fairly hip radio station that might be playing the Dr. Demento show, then you were very likely to hear early punk rock on that show. I'll never forget in 1979 hearing the Dead Kennedys' first single. I don't know, uh, normally he was a comedy show, but uh, he, he got it. And if not for Documento, I'm not sure that my music taste would ever have taken off quite the way they did. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Hi, this is Daniel calling
1: from Sedgwick, Arkansas. I wanted to comment on your review of the new Passion Pit album.
2: I don't like it, so I disagree with you. To me, it just strikes me as total digital garbage.
1: It does have some catchy moments.
2: But you called it soul music. and But the thing is, when you think of it as soul music, that's when you really start to see how awful this album is. Passion Pit ain't soul music. Fruity Loops cannot
1: produce soul music. Not possible. But anyway, I love your show and, you know, often agree with you guys. That this is a point I have to disagree. So anyway, thanks. No
2: more messages.